All right. Welcome. Happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show. First down, Dan Flip Tricks on Dash Radio. It is the 16th day of January. And the intro here obviously was the highlight of the weekend, especially if you're a Vikings fan. Uh, if you're a Saints fan, it might not have been so the case. Um, but uh, now today, uh, due to some technical home issues on my end, um, I'm broadcasting out of the home. So I just want a huge thanks to Cole for helping me out today, uh, making this happen, and for you guys' patience. And hopefully the sound and quality is as good as what you're used to. Uh, happy 54th anniversary to my mom and dad. They're definitely setting the bar high. And obviously some amazing divisional playoffs this last weekend. Heart-stopping. In fact, people wearing Apple Watches got notifications that their heart rate had gone too high and were in potential heart attack mode. Um, most noted, obviously, the 61-yard miracle in Minneapolis with a 29-24 win for the Vikings. One of the most amazing playoff finish I have ever seen. Third and 10 on the 39, 10 seconds left in the fourth, 24-23 lead by the Saints. And Case Keenum drops back and connects to Stephon Diggs for a 61-yard touchdown catch to win the game. So, uh, with all the Minneapolis hype, I'm super hyped to welcome a Minnesotan, Mark Rodriguez, the owner of Third Layer Skate Park and a shop, a skate park and shop, pardon me, in Minneapolis. He's going to be joining me in just a moment. At the bottom of the hour, Lorenzo Neal is going to hop on. He's got never. I got a six o'clock uh, text this morning that he could. I haven't heard back from him, and I'm super thankful to Nick Ferguson, NFL safety with a career spanning 15 seasons, going to hop on, and we're going to talk a little bit about this weekend and the championship games. Um, and the road to get to the Super Bowl, AFC and NFC Championship games. This coming weekend, the road got shorter. And uh, first thought, so I want to uh, send healing love and prayers to the entire Santa Barbara community. Last Tuesday, the devastation that occurred to this beaten-down community was more than disastrous. The true neighbor will risk his position, his prestige, and even his life for the welfare of others. Martin Luther King. Um, I'm also super grateful to say that my sister and her family are safe. Uh, their close friends did evacuate. Um, they were under mandatory evacuations. Their homes are intact. However, it will be a long time to rebuild this precious community. Um, and uh, just a, a moment of silence for those 20 who have passed away during this. My little niece's friend Sawyer as well as being uh, one of those. Um, I put a GoFundMe on my Instagram account in the link. Um, her mom and sister need help right now. Plus, there are so many ways to help in this area. Uh, but if you can't help physically or monetarily or with donations of any form, please just send healing love to this community. These natural disasters are not prejudiced. They do not care who is affected on their path. And, you know, and I'm sorry I got to throw all that out. It's just been a really heavy weekend for me. Um, but with that, the the tagline for the Desiree Show is first downs and flip tricks, and that's exactly what happens here in Minneapolis as Super Bowl 52 gets prepped. The owner of the third layer skate park and skate shop in Minneapolis, Mr. Mark Rodriguez. Mark, hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm so thanks for uh, for watching me stumble there in this this morning. I'm uh, I'm a little off my A game, uh, so I appreciate no, your time no though immensely. <laughs> so you know we we start started the show off with that. 10 seconds left of play of the divisional game in Minneapolis hosting the Saints to start the show. Can you share what it was like for you, those last 90 seconds of that game? Yeah, I mean, it was it was 
a great game. Um, you know, I was at home watching with my family. Um, you know, the guys at the skate park and myself, you know, had been talking, uh, you know, the day before and kind of the lead up into this playoffs. Like, do our Vikings have a chance? Are we going to be in the Super Bowl? And definitely went into the game with a lot of high hopes. Obviously, first half was all Vikings. Um, but, of course, being a, a lifelong Vikings fan, there's always that little voice in the back of your head, you know, what, what's, what's going to happen? Where, when are they going to blow it? And of course, as we got to the end of the game and the tides had shifted and the Saints made their comeback and we found ourselves down by one point with no time, you know, like less than a minute left on the clock, um, you know, yeah. it seems pretty far gone. But, um, you know, we, we continued to watch and, and we continued to help and, um, we, we had our miracle. So it was, it was unbelievable. There was a lot of excitement in my house, uh, myself, my mother-in-law, my kids running around jumping. I mean, I think it was, uh, an eruption of joy, uh, in our entire state. Yeah, I gotta believe it is. I mean, you know, and I know the prep to the Super Bowl has been going on. Um, I mean, I, I have to think the amplitude just, I, I mean, it just went up like immensely, um, in the city. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you get an event of that caliber, you know, happening in your town, um, you know, that in and of itself is just, it creates so much excitement, um, you know, just looking forward to everything that comes with something like the Super Bowl happening in Minneapolis. And, you know, the, the season that the Vikings have had, you know, uh, as we've watched them win game after game after game, um, come into uh, the playoffs, um, you know, one of the top two seed getting the bye on the uh, the first round there, um, you know, there's, there's definitely, it, it increases, um, I think, the hype that we have going on here. It's definitely something special here in the Twin Cities right now. It's just, you know, kind of at the precipice with an opportunity to make history. Um, you know, seeing our team uh, play in a Super Bowl, you know, that's something that I haven't seen in my lifetime. Uh, you know, the Vikings have been there, but they've never won. So this could be you know, a really, um, a really huge year, um, for, for our state. Yeah. Right. If you just tune in again, I'm joined by Mark, Mark Rodriguez. He is the owner of third layer skate park and skate shop, you know, and I want to also, you know, this, you know, my tagline obviously for the show is first downs and flip tricks. Uh, you and the city have been directly impacted by the Super Bowl coming into town, um, not only, you know, and obviously in all your community, but specifically with skateboarding, with all these grants being awarded. Can you share a little bit about that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, beyond the work I do uh, with the third layer, um, I'm also part of a nonprofit group called City of Skate. So it's essentially myself and a couple of other local shop owners and, um, you know, skate, uh, skateboarders and allies um, who essentially have seen a need in, in growing access to um, quality skate parks in our city. Um, we, we do have um, some small parks throughout the city, but, um, you know, from the standpoint of a skateboarder, they're not anything to brag about. And so we've kind of made it our mission to, to kind of infiltrate the conversation and try to steer the, the city towards um, a better infrastructure of skate parks, you know, with the ultimate hope of, of access. You know, we're all... Um, as participants ourselves, um, shop owners, skate park owners, you know, the idea of increasing the number of people that participate in skateboarding is kind of at the forefront of, of what we're all working on on our own. So we all came together and uh, formed this nonprofit called City of Skate. Um, we've been working with the city to try to um, educate uh, decision makers in the community about um, 
you know, the areas of, of skate park development that are lacking in the Twin Cities. Um, so it's something that's been going on for a few years, but um, with the Super Bowl coming to town, it created an opportunity. Um, you know, the Super Bowl host committee um, has been doing their 52 weeks of giving um, all year here. Um, and that's uh, grant money that um, is uh, partially um, given by the NFL, partially through the Super Bowl host committee. Um, and essentially they give grants to community projects that uh, throughout the city that are going to you know, better the lives of the uh, community members, the youth, uh, things like that. So uh, we were able to work with them uh, and a local nonprofit called Juxtaposition uh, that's on the north side of Minneapolis, and they work with the youth in the community to teach them um, you know, valuable life skills, um, specifically revolving around the arts, um, you know, give them uh, some, some experience and some knowledge um, with some things that are going to help them um, in their futures uh, with careers and things like that. And so, um, yeah, the Super Bowl host, host committee uh, granted a $50,000 grant to juxtaposition um, to build a skate park right in the city, um, in the north side there. Um, it's going to be an amazing project. Um, it's, it's more than just building a skate park and saying, here you go, um, in that uh, juxtaposition is committed to having the youth of the community involved in the entire process from design to the build um, to the programming to all of it. So um, at City of Skate, we're playing a support role to kind of help bridge the gap there and um, you know, make sure that the final product is, is a skate park that the community can be proud of and that the kids can frequent and have a good time and challenge themselves and and uh, celebrate all of the other amazing things that come with skateboarding. So amazing. So amazing. You know, and I had uh, Byron Chamberlain, a a two-time Super Bowl champion. He was on the show last week, and he lived, he he played for the Vikings as well. Um, And he said that Minneapolis is such an amazing town. Um, And what you're sharing is even, even a step above that. I mean, of just how special this community is yeah i mean i i was born and raised in the twin cities you know kind of being a a midwest state um you know i think that sometimes it's easy to kind of fly under the radar kind of where we're at um but you know at the end of the day like we we have a very um what i would consider a, a, a high quality of life here in the twin cities you know we have access to four beautiful seasons um we have uh a lot of um, community-based businesses and influential people that, that are working to try to just increase, um, you know, all of the um, positive interactions that we have with each other, um, whether it's uh, through these types of nonprofit work or uh, the infrastructure that uh, the, that we have throughout the city. Um, we have a very bike-friendly city. Um, you know, the just everything about what's going on here in the Twin Cities, um, the schools, you know, the, the quality of life as a whole is it's great. I'm I'm proud to live here. I, I don't really foresee myself being anywhere else besides Minnesota. Um, that's right. Now, are you also on the board of tourism for Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> I am not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, I'm not. It, but it, you know, it's so it's so refreshing and it's so heartwarming to hear a love for a city and the community and to have a community love back, um, you know, is, is, is a rarity. Now with the Super Bowl coming into town, I have to imagine there's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's so many wonderful things that are coming to the town because of the Super Bowl, but also a little bit, um, 
a lot of extra stuff also. Is there, I mean, is it, is it a frustration at all with this happening or just really is the community and you just embraced having this opportunity to host the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think, you know, like, like anything, uh, an event of this scale brings with it certain disruptions. Um, so there's definitely, um, you know, a fair amount of frustration just in access to the city, for instance. Um, you know, they're, they're closing down some major veins and things like that um, to allow for all of the security and everything else that they need to do um, to, to get everybody in and out for the event. So, you know, that planning and that process starts um, well before the big game, uh, which does create, um, you know, some challenges for people who commute in and out of the city. Um, excuse me one second. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. I'm just nursing a little cold there. Just a little cough. Um, uh, no, but, right. um, <laughs> you know, overall, I would say, you know, as a whole, it's, it's something that um, most people are embracing. I mean, there, there's a lot of positives, you know, that, that come with uh, some of the inconvenience, um, you know, just, just the, I mean, you think about the businesses in Minneapolis and the surrounding area and the economic impact that that's going to have. Um, you know, it's going to give a lot of people who may not have visited our city before an opportunity to see just exactly, um, you know, what, what Minneapolis and the Twin Cities is all about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, mixed feelings, but overall, I would say uh, mostly a positive, uh, positive vibe out here in the Twin Cities for the Super Bowl. Right, right on, right on. Um, now, um, you you get better, you know, and the cold part. Um, well, and I actually am one of those. I've only been in um, at the airport uh, coming back from Europe, having a layover in Minnesota, and that was it. That's my only experience mm-hmm. with Minnesota. So I'm hoping to get out there in in a week and a half um, and maybe skate and also, uh, and obviously for Radio Row uh, in addition, but kind of combine um, skating. Now, the weather, um, I know it was really chilly on Sunday. I think it was 17 below. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's with the wind chill, with the wind chill. I mean, we are a winter state, you know, um, you know, the catch line with the Vikings, the Kings of the North, you know, it's, it's cold uh, in the winter here. Um, you know, but, um, you know, as Minnesotans, you, you get used to it, you, you dress for the weather. Um, uh, I, I think that's one of the other cool things is like, it can be, you know, negative 25, negative 30 degree wind chill here. And the city does not shut down. I mean, people go to work, people go out and do fun things. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, winter specific types of activities that happen from ice fishing to ice skating to snowmobiling to you name it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the people that live here, we've adapted, you know, people that come from places that are generally warm all the time, uh, that haven't experienced <laughs> that kind of sub-zero cold before, uh, it can be a shocker <laughs> the first time, but uh-huh. you know, kind of get used to it. Um, you know, our city's kind of built around winter. So when you are downtown, you know, if you work downtown or something like that, everything's connected with skyways. You really don't have to go outside other than, um, you know, to head, to head back home. So um, yeah, I mean, I would say that um, for somebody who hasn't been here in the winter, um, experiencing that um, when it's all said and done, as uncomfortable as it might be when the, the first blast of cold air hits you, um, when it's all said and done, I think for most people, it's a, it's a pretty uh, positive, memorable experience. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I, I just don't know. I lived in the snow. I lived in Tahoe when I was on the, the snowboarding on the circuit. Uh, but but Tahoe doesn't get that cold. It's California mountains. 
you know, we would get into the, the teens, um, and mm-hmm. you do, you get acclimated. Um, but it's also a, a mountain town. And so it's a different lifestyle than a city town. What do you suggest? I know, I think you told me the other day I should, you, that you wear long underwear. Um, is, is that, are there some other tips that you can share with anybody coming into the city for the Super Bowl on how to sort of, I mean, obviously this, this carefree of just like, do it, just go for it and do it and be out and about and not have, let the weather contain you. Yeah. But is there any prep for, for dressing that might aid? Yeah, totally. I mean, if it, you know, when it's really cold, when it's under 15 degrees and the wind's blowing, you want to make sure that you have, you know, skin covered, you know, with, with warm gear. So, you know, when it's uh, days like this past Sunday when it's really cold, if I'm going to be spending some time outside, so shoveling my driveway or something like that from the snow that we got, um, yeah, you're going to want to make sure that, you know, long underwear goes a long way. Um, you know, both thermal tops <laughs> and bottoms, uh, wool socks, you know, you want a good, uh, warm pair of boots. Um, you got to have gloves. You know, sometimes we, we layer up. If it's really cold, we'll do double gloves. You know, scarves, uh, hoods, hats. I mean, it's really like fingers and ears. You know, those are kind of the areas that you want to protect the most. Um, obviously, the risk being frostbite. Um, you know, I wear like a, a face mask over, you know, pull a face mask over my face. So really the only thing exposed is my eyes when it's really cold. But most uh-huh. days in the winter, it's going to be, you know, 25 degrees or more. And when the sun's shining, it's, it's not so bad. You don't really need to worry about layering up, you know, quite so much. Yeah, no. And I, you know, like I said, I'm, I was used to that in the mountains, uh, but you know, not, not this, this cold, uh, and not going out, uh, and, uh, not just playing in, you know, going and getting on the mountain. Um, now skating, yeah. I remember though, in Tahoe, we would come down, we would, we would drive down to Reno, and we used to skate this, you know, we'd skate the grind in Sacramento, or we'd go skate um, Skino Ramp, which was like this indoor ramp in Reno. And it would be so cold sometimes, like you would be layered up, um, and I would feel so bulky, but like I would never get warmed up um, mm-hmm. as far as uh, my body joints. Um, and uh, is there, and you know, and I remember we would skate this, there was a, a ramp in Tahoe Donner and we'd skate, you drop in and you could do a big cess slide on the flat bottom because there was the condensation because it was so cold. Are there like uh, for skating as well when you're skating in the park? I mean, I'm assuming there's probably some form of heat in the skate park um, or, oh, yeah. or not, or just body heat or how does that work for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, being a winter skate is kind of the, the whole reason why third layer exists. Um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, founded by, by skateboarders looking for a place that they could ride in the wintertime when, when we were facing these colds, um, you know, all this cold and the salt and everything that comes with it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're an indoor skate park. Um, you know, we're 20,000 square feet. We're heated. Um, and, um, you know, we've got all the different terrain that anyone would want. And, you know, that's um, something that's been uh, important to, to not only our legacy here in the Twin Cities being open for the last 20 years, but also just, uh, you know, the ability for our state team to continue to grow and thrive. And, and we're not the only ones. Um, you know, our friends uh, over at Familia Skate Shop, uh, owned and run by uh, professional skateboarder Steve Nesser, they're about 20 minutes from where we're at. You know, they offer another indoor facility, different type of layout where skaters can go ride in the winter. Um, obviously, we're both open in the summer as well, year-round businesses. But, um, you know, in terms of, like, access to be able to just go an independent practice, you know, and, and ride your skateboard, um, you know, winter is kind of uh, the most important time, I think, to have 
businesses like ours. And then we've got a good complement of um, like private indoor spaces uh, in town as well. So there's three private bowls in town. They're all indoor. They're um, kind of like co-op style. You know, there'll be 15 to 20 key holders that, you know, all pay a, a monthly um, fee and they get a key and it keeps the place open and it offers uh, you know, 24-hour access to some of the older skaters in town that are looking for that type of terrain. So we've got some great infrastructure here in the Twin Cities, um, you know, that's been, um, you know, essentially sustained by our, our participant community uh, run by local skateboarders um, that, that answer that question of, like, where am I going to skate when it's negative five? Um, for the kids that live in, in this town, I mean, if it's more than, you know, 25 or 30 degrees, you drive past a public skate park, odds are kids have shoveled off an area and they're out there, just like you were describing, all, all uh, uh, bundled up, um, you know, getting their licks in when they can. Yeah, no, that's cool. And if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by uh, the owner of Third Layer Skate Park and Skate Shop in Minneapolis, um, Mr. Mark Rodriguez. Now, I, um, you know, it's it's really also refreshing to hear you speak of, of Steve Nesser um, and the Familia, his shop and his what he has going on. Also with Scott over at Cal Surf, there's some really special. Um, I mean, skateboarding does that. We are a very small community and a very close community. But you guys have this closeness, um, not just. I mean, and you guys are all in the same business, but there's still this super rad community. Is that you think special or? Because it is in Minneapolis, that there is even a stronger connection. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, because think, you know, skateboarding that, we are like that, but I really feel like this is even a closer knit group. Yeah, you know, I think it, it comes from the roots of the Twin City skateboarding scene. Um, you know, as you go back in time, obviously there was a time when there just wasn't as many people that rode, and um, you know, there there's a long history of. Um, attempts to have indoor parks or short-lived parks and things like that that go back, um, you know, to the early 80s. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think the camaraderie that we have here in the Twin Cities comes out of the fact that, you know, uh, we were all, we're always, every winter, we are trapped inside together, <laughs> you know, uh, for anywhere from four to six months. And for many years um, in, in before, you know, skateboarding really, got to the point that it is today, like the city sustained one park, you know, uh, we opened in 1997 and at the time there weren't other skate parks to go to. And so, um, you kind of, you get to know people, all of these things type start happening. And, and as, uh, participation here grew and, and things evolved, you know, people branch off and they start their own things. Um, I think that the common philosophy for most of the, um, the local business owners that I talk to that operate in, in this realm is, um, you know, an excitement at the possibility of increasing the number of people riding. Um, and I think that comes from, again, the fact that we've all been cooped up together every winter since, you know, <laughs> way, way back. And as skateboarders ourselves, um, you know, as, as you kind of get older and you're doing these things and you're kind of at that point in your life where maybe running a business is the thing you want to do, um, as a skateboarder, it's important to give as many people an opportunity to experience that participation in skateboarding as possible. So, you know, to have 
uh, another skate park in town that's easily accessible from where we're at with, with what Steve is doing, knowing that who those guys are, that they are genuinely in it for the right reasons, that they are skateboarders and that they love skateboarding and that they want to share an authentic experience with kids. I mean, that's awesome. If you ask me, it, it just gives the kids more places to ride, which in turn is going to mean uh, more opportunity for them to, to continue on as skateboarders. Um, it's another avenue for kids to, and, and you know, people that maybe are just finding it to, to find it that might not have come through our doors. So uh, we, we try to work as closely together as we can. Um, obviously, you know, we're talking different businesses, um, you know, so uh, that idea of like, competition or whatever i mean it's there but i don't think that um the, the people that i interact with around here anyways the people that i respect and and that you would look to as like the players in, in twin city skateboarding i don't really feel like anybody's like thinking about what can i do to compete against them it's more like what can i do to support skateboarding to grow skateboarding um and you know the the end result being you know healthy business for everybody is is the hope yeah, well, it's just, God, it just, you're making me want to move out to Minneapolis. Um, it's rad, you know, and I, and yeah. it's just so beautiful. You know, and this also, it's like sort of almost like the um, Miracle on 34th Street, you know, where you've got people working together and for the better of the community, for the better of the skate community. Um, and it's just really special to see that, you know, um, and so prevalent, you know. Um, now, third layer, you began skating there. At the age of 13, now you're the owner. Um, you shared That's with right. me on, you know, this, this like, you know, and, and it's been around for 20 years now. Can you expand on how that all came to be? Because it, well, your, your story is just so inspiring and it, it's just amazing. And I really want people to hear it. Uh-oh. Okay. I don't know what happened. I think we lost, um, we just lost. Um, Mark, um, I'm assuming he will be calling back in shortly. So, and if you're just tuning in, um, we, it, Mark Rodriguez started um, skateboarding at Third Layer when he was 13 years old. He, he, you know, and I want him to be able to share what he did and how he got there. Um, but he is the owner now, and you know, and he worked there when he was in college. Um, this man is really aware and constantly giving back, uh, extremely, uh, extremely well articulate, um, probably more articulate than I am as far as his speaking abilities. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sorry about Mark that. Uh, Mike, the call oh, no, dropped, okay, so. good. Um, I'm back. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, um, no, you know, I wanted you to, I don't know if you cut out or not. Um, third layer, you, like I was saying, you started, you started skateboarding there at the age of 13, um, yep. you have this past, um, and now you've been the owner. Um, I wanted yeah. to share that with everybody. Yeah, totally. So yeah, when, when third layer opened in 1997, um, I was 13, I was the seventh grade and, um, really into skateboarding. Me and my friends, uh, we lived on, on the St. Paul side of town, but, um, we essentially found it in the back of Thrasher magazine, <laughs> uh, like the skateboard oh, things and, you know, that was kind of the, the first, um, you know, for myself and my friends, we had never really ridden ramps or anything like that. There wasn't really any of that stuff where we grew up. So um, that's kind of where we got our start with um, skate parks and also just with skateboarding beyond our town. 
Um, you know, the, mm-hmm. I remember going, you know, my teenage years and, and that's when like, uh, Steve Nesser and like Chad Benson and, you know, all of those guys that, that we look up to today, um, you know, those guys were the ones there ripping all the time. And so for me, third layer was kind of like uh, a foot in the door of bigger skateboarding than what my friends and I were doing, you know, the type of skateboarding we saw in like video and magazines. And so, um, you know, we, we became pretty committed to the place as kids. I remember getting my license when I was 16 and my friends and I would drive to third layer, gosh, three, four days a week, you know, sometimes more than that in the winter time. And because we were going so often, we just got to know the guys that worked there. Um, you know, the general manager at the time, a, a good friend of mine, Steve Guerrero, um, you know, he was just a, a rad guy. He, he treated us well. Um, you know, he remembered who we were, which was great, you know, as kids coming from the other side of town. And so, yeah, we just uh, really kind of became friends with the, the guys running the place and um, really enjoyed it. And, um, in 2002, uh, they ended up moving the skate park out of South Minneapolis into a bigger warehouse in Golden Valley, which is where we're at now. And uh, that was the same year that I started college at the University of Minnesota. So um, I kind of found the bus lines to get there when it skated. I knew that they had just moved to this new facility. So um, you know, every time I'd go in, I'd just kind of ask about, you know, do you need any help around here? I'm looking for a part-time job. And uh, after, you know, six or eight weeks of, you know, asking every time I came out, which was a couple times a week, um, I finally got an interview and got hired just part-time, you know, working the desk, teaching lessons, um, skateboard camps, that kind of stuff. Um, And um, through my four years of of college, I was in school for marketing and management at the time. Um, I just, uh, you know, made it clear that I was ambitious, you know, that I was willing to utilize every ounce of education I was getting to help the business in any way that I could. I'd pick up as many shifts as I could, as many responsibilities as I could. Um, and my last two years of college, I was actually you know, working at the park full-time, going to school full-time. And then after I graduated, was just um, essentially given an opportunity to make, make an investment, borrowed some money, made that investment, became a partner. And you know, just as, as time went on, um, you know, the, my, my partners at the time, the guys that started the play, you know, as they were getting a bit older, you know, they were all getting up into their forties, um, you know, slowly one by one, they all decided to kind of branch off and do other things. And so ultimately, uh, in 2012, the, the founder of third layer, Mark Muller, uh, decided to move on and, um, I took over operations and continue to do it today. Uh, so rad, so amazing. So that that is also inspiring to anybody out there, um, thinking that they also thinking that they have to move to California or they have to move to a skate hub, or or not a skate hub, but a you know a media area or New York or anywhere. But to be able to do it within your own community and have a have a goal and a dream and make it happen, it's just you're amazing. My hat is off to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, skateboarding happens everywhere, you know, skateboarding happens everywhere. There's a lot of skateboard communities that need people who, um, are willing to do rad things and stay committed to to creating opportunities for those experiences. And, and yeah, I mean, no matter where you're at, you know, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but you know, there's, 
there's something there. You know, there's something there that you can do to try to get things moving in the direction that keeps keeps people motivated on on skateboarding. You know, something that means a lot to myself and, and a lot of other people out there. Um, so yeah, you definitely don't have to move anywhere. You know, I tell all of our staff at the park. You know, I mean inevitably eventually someday someone else is going to have to take the reins and I'm always looking for who that person is going to be, you know? So part of our interview process, you know, when we like somebody coming in, you know, whether they're 14 years old or 20 years old or 25 years old, you know, it's, it's possible, you know, someday you could be the one steering the boat. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's an honor to be able to do it. Yeah, it's it's so amazing. You know, and I have to ask, you know, because I, I, I loved, I loved, loved, loved having those indoor skate parks. You know, I mean, I skated the grind. I used to skate uh, Powell's uh, uh, Skate Zone. Um, I remember having my membership card from the grind and all my memberships that I've had over the years um, from skate parks and really having a lot of pride to have them in my wallet. Now, do you have your first membership card? I have to ask. I don't. I don't. No. Oh, so the first okay. card that I got at, at third layer was paper and I never laminated it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, no. And my, yeah. my old ones, I mean, I think we're also, I think the grind ones were paper as well. Like the YMCA's later in the late, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, the, the YMCA here had, you know, laminate, we had laminated ones. But all my old cards were um, paper as well. But I just remember feeling so kind of important because I had my, I don't know. I just it's like so, it's so cheesy. Like I just was stoked to have like yeah. a membership to the skate park, um, and uh, you know, and to be able to go and skate. Um, what? I, I just said the I'm skate sh- card is it's you know it's such a rad thing. We we kept them going at our place up until just a few years ago. You know, we've kind of switched everything over to the modern digital age. Um, yeah. So we're I not printing skate cards tonight. anymore. <laughs> I don't. Um, okay. And just, and I, you know, and I appreciate all your time. I, um, you know, I wanted to hit up also on X games, you know, cause X games mm-hmm. have come into town as well, which is huge. But what's kind of rad is that, you know, what you wouldn't think is the Super Bowl is going to help with a grant, but the X games haven't, but is it good? It's got to be good though. Also for, um, or I, I mean, is it good for you guys as a business, um, to have the X games yeah. coming into town? Okay. Yeah, totally. I mean, any, um, anything going on that that creates buzz and chatter around skateboarding, I I view as a good thing. You know, I mean, obviously okay. the dialogue and in, in the way that it's explained or talked about isn't necessarily true to the, um, you know, to the the reality. But at the same time, it gets people thinking about um, these sports uh, and these activities. And so, yeah, it's um, I look at the the X Games as a good thing for. For the Twin Cities, um, you know, at the, this moment in time, uh, ESPN X Games, they haven't fully committed anything to, um, you know, funding a skate park, helping fund a skate park. Um, but there's been a lot of conversations about it. Um, you know, myself and, and the rest of the board members at City Skate, um, you know, we, we have close communications with the X Games organizers. And, you know, we've made it very clear that our end goal is before that event leaves the city, that there is a legacy left behind. Um, and that is what we're working towards. So, uh, we don't necessarily have anything concrete yet, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that's a work in progress. It's something that's important to us. And, and I fully agree, you know, the, the city here, um, has fully embraced the X games last year. It was a great event. I, I think that everyone involved in, including, uh, the folks that put the event on would agree that it was a huge success. 
And, um, you know, ultimately when it's all said and done um, and they pick up and move to a different town, I think that, um, you know, it would be a, a great, great thing for them to get behind um, one of the skate parks in town. I mean, we, we have our eyes on Elliott Park, which is right downtown Minneapolis. It's two blocks from U.S. Bank Stadium. It is the perfect venue um, for, for the folks at X Games to get behind a project right right where they're doing the event. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense to us. Um, so, you know, the challenge, of course, is helping it make sense to the the final decision makers, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, and it's, it's, it, you know, and I, and I have to quickly touch on is, you know, I know that also, um, with, um, City of Skates and working with the City of Minneapolis, you guys are also have a 20 year plan for 18 different skate parks coming up, um, in your community. That, I mean, it's, there is a very special marrying with this city. Um, you know, I mean, from, I, I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm sold on Minneapolis, on the Twin Cities, <laughs> you know, because it's so amazing yeah, to see yeah, you know, everybody coming together for the good of the community, and and that's what seems so prevalent here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're aiming for. You know, we're lucky. There's there's people who are uh, very talented at what they do, who care about skateboarding, uh, who work shoulder to shoulder to again just try to increase access and increase opportunities. Um, for, for people to find it and to stay engaged with it. And yeah, one of the, the pieces that we have going now in Minneapolis is, is our 20 year plan that just passed on January 3rd. Um, the Minneapolis Park Board, um, you know, essentially laid out a roadmap, uh, for the next 20 years to build 18 plus, uh, skate parks, whether that's upgrading exi- the six existing parks plus adding additional parks. Um, you know, as City of Skate, we, we've got an agreement in place with them that we're a part of all skate park talks. Um, as skateboarders, it's important to us that, you know, every penny that's invested in the infrastructure that comes with building a skate park is, is invested well. Um, everything from the design of the skate parks to the contractors that are used to the input from the community, the programming that goes in after it's all said and done. I mean, we are very, very much involved in, in that entire process. And um, fortunately, the city of Minneapolis has seen value in that and, and, and working with us. Um, so we're very excited about it. You know, you know 20 years from now, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, the change that we have here. You know, currently, our skate parks are small. They're run down. They're, they're not very well maintained. They were originally designed very poorly. Uh, most of them built by contractors who are no longer in business. Um, you know, we want to change that. We want to see um, them get rid of uh, height restrictions, for instance. We want to see skate parks that are uh, 20,000 square feet rather than four. Um, we want to see diverse terrain. We want to see skate parks in uh, neighborhoods that, that, could meet, that could use them the most, you know, areas where, where young people need positive outlets um, for healthy activities. So, that's that's pretty much the the basis of the plan, and and uh, we're excited about it. Right on, you you are, you truly are so amazing, um, and you know I also uh, third layer. If you want more information, also thirdlayer.com, and it's the number three r d l a i r dot com. Um, you guys have like open skates. You have like lockdowns. You have all girls skates. 
Um, you have a lot of things going on. You also have some events going on. I want you to tell me about this big event that's coming up, I think, in July. Um, well, yeah. So Eric, we I, do, might um, <laughs> I might be wrong. I might have just brain no, no, we, there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do various events. Um, you know, we're always looking for different things to do, again, just to create engagement. So, yeah, we've got Open Skate every day. We do programming, instructional programs like camps and lessons. Um, we do Girls Skate Club where girls ride free on Mondays. Um, we do Old Timers Club on Thursdays where everybody 30 and older rides for free, um, all night lock-ins. And then, yeah, we do contests, um, you know, throughout the year as well. So some open entry stuff. And, you know, one of the, the biggest contests that, that we've done um, is called King of the Groms. It's a 16 and under kind of youth-focused event that we started back in 2003. And that event, um, you know, kind of grew into – uh, a national series that we ran for a few years with the backing of World Industries. Um, and we had IC behind it for a while, you know, where we were able to travel around the country and host these these youth-centric events, um, you know, that ended up being kind of like a, it was a time and a place kind of thing. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the up-and-coming pros of today kind of came through that series as young kids. So it was kind of a great thing for us to be able to, um, kind of focus in on youth skateboarding. Um, you know, these days that uh, we've kind of trimmed things back, um, you know, for us, the, the backbone of what we're trying to do in our mission is, is more located um, here in our community. You know, we're, we're focused on yeah. trying to grow participation, you know, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota and in the Midwest. So uh, we've kind of scaled some of that stuff back, but we still do host King of the Groms. Um, it'll be coming up uh, this summer. We don't have a date for it yet, but you know, we'll, we'll be um, running it at our place. It, it still pulls um, kids from around the country, um, you know, to come out. We do, it's a multidiscipline event. We do full mini ramps, streets. Uh, we just put in a little mini vert ramp, so we'll be doing a jam on that. And, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the year, we'll, we'll do other, you know, other things. We do a flat ground con- uh, out contest, you know, so to skate, we do it as out. Um, we do events at breweries. Uh, we do just, you know, whatever is out there that is going to spotlight skateboarding, that's going to create fun opportunities for, for the local participant community. Um, that's really what we target, and that tends to be the nature of, of our summers, you know, different events every every week. Right on. And also, if people are coming out to Super Bowl, for, uh, for the Super Bowl with their families, um, and or you are in the media or you're coming out because your team is playing, um, there's going to be skating every day, not for Super Bowl, even actually part of the day on Super Bowl. But, you know, I encourage everyone to kind of come on by, you know, come and skate, take a break from everything and, and go skate and sweat and um, get grounded and get back to uh, why you're you're supposed to be in Minneapolis at this time if you're visiting, right? I mean, the hours are going to be open. Um Anybody's welcome, uh, but you guys aren't gonna. You guys are gonna be closed for the game, which I think the entire town will be closed for the game. <laughs> except for like <laughs> right? right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're open seven days a week. Um, you know, generally noon to nine every day. We stay open late on Fridays. Uh, we stay open late on Wednesdays for a bike session, a BMX session. But um, yeah, you know, if, if you're gonna be in town, you're looking for something to do. Definitely stop by, pay us a visit. Um, you know, we've got open riding going on. We've got lessons available, um, all, all different stuff. Uh, you know, we do retail, so our backbone is, is you know, skateboards. That's what we sell, skateboards and, and footwear is kind of our deal. So, um, yeah, if you're in town, look us up, stop by. We'd love to see you. All right, awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. And if you want to find more about uh, Third Layer, follow at Third Layer 
um, on Instagram. Um, check out their website, Facebook, and also on Twitter, right? Yep, that's right. Okay, you rule. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so thank much you, for your time. And I hope to see you in a, in a few weeks. <laughs> we'll be here. All right. All right, awesome. Okay, cool, everyone. Thanks, Thanks so much Mark, Matt, uh, to Mark Rodriguez uh, for his time, for a lot of time actually on the phone to kind of share everything that's going on in Minneapolis right now. Coming up next, I've got Nick Ferguson. Uh, he's going to be calling in. Uh, as you, you know, I, I'm texting him as well. I'm trying to multitask. I've got a few things going on here. I'm, I'm having a little struggle there with my hands. Uh, but Nick Ferguson played 15 seasons or, or for a span in the NFL of 15 seasons, he played for the Bills, the Jets, the Broncos, the Texans, the Bengals, and the Bears. Um, he's a safety, also a Georgia Tech yellow jacket for life. Um, Nick Ferguson is going to be joining us shortly. He's hopping on real quick. We're going to do a real quick hit on uh, these games coming up, the championship weekend. And I'm just waiting for him to give a call. I know he's running out of time um, to go a little long. Um, so I'm going to... I'm having him, and he's going to be calling in right now. And, again, thanks to Cole for helping man the ship today um, at, at Dash Radio for me. If you guys are just tuning in, this is Desiree's show on Dash Radio. And coming up, Nick Ferguson um, and playoffs. And we've got we've got some matchups, AFC and NFC Championship games, Minnesota Vikings. I didn't even ask Mark on his picks for this week because I know that it's going to be the Vikings, um, for one. And, uh, you know, I don't even know how, I'm sure he's going to watch the other game as well. Um, but I did want to, uh, I would, he was on the phone for so long. It was so amazing, but I know he's also running a business. And so again, thanks to uh, Mark for, for giving us like 45 minutes of his time uh, on a work day. So hopefully we'll have Nick Ferguson coming in uh, in just a moment, but yes, these championship games are set. We've got uh, the Eagles and the Vikings Meeting in the postseason for the fourth time, Philadelphia has won the three previous, including the last matchup for the 2008 wild card, which was in January 2009. Uh, and Nick, do we have you? I'm here. Okay. Oh, you are. Hi. Did you hear your intro? I just kept talking. I didn't hear you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you no, so much no for making problem. some time to hop on. Appreciate it. Um, hey, no, okay, no problem. So, you were on. We were together. We did the wild card weekend. I have to say, I was I was 500 only for that weekend. I, I only got two games right. Last weekend, I was three for four. The only game I did not pick was I picked Atlanta uh, to win, and then Philly won. Uh, how did you do last weekend? Well, you know, uh, I was uh, three and one. Uh, the game okay, that threw me off was the Minnesota Saints game because it was it was shocking for me as though it was for everyone else who was watching. Okay. Yeah. No, it was and we kind of exchanged exchanged some text messages um after that game. Um it was it was it was a a, a crazy, crazy finish. Um but it was so crazy that it was really, truly, I thought, maybe one of those sort of miracle, you know, not so much. And I know there's a lot of chatter about the Saints safety that missed, you know, the the, the, the linebacker that missed that tackle. But I, one game does not win or lose. You do not lose by one play, um, one game, one play. 
you know, I, he also made the pick earlier in the game. Um, so, but I think there's magic there. There has to be magic, I think. And that sounds maybe corny. What do you think, Nick? Well, first, let, let me address the, the, the play towards the end of the game. Uh, miracle, that's the only way to describe it because yes. Marcus Williams, the young rookie safety, like you said, you know, about three month, three minutes earlier in the game, in the fourth quarter, he makes the pivotal interception that gives the offense another opportunity to uh, turn a turnover into points. So that's why I was shocked because on that play, he went up and he attacked the ball in the air. So to not attack the ball with only 10 seconds remaining and knowing as though uh, you make that tackle, Minnesota would not have enough time to run their field goal unit on. And, and four bats was just money, you know, uh, beyond, you know, 35 yards out. They would have had time to actually get everyone lined up with time left on the clock to uh, kick that game-winning field goal. So I, I'm I'm still, you know, baffled just like everyone else what pretty much happened in in that game and i know for uh, the fans in minnesota they're saying okay it was a miracle maybe the football guards uh, gods are shining down on us to be the first team in nfl history history yes to host host, yeah and playing it 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 is crazy but i I wonder if uh the miracle that, that we saw this past weekend if that was it, do they have any more left in the tank rolling into Philadelphia? Yeah, well, you know, and if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Nick Ferguson. <clears throat> um, you know, Nick, I, you know, I, well, it can work both ways. They say, you know, that, that such a, an emotional game or an emotional win um, can deplete you of your energy or it can actually fuel you. So it's really going to decipher on what team comes in. Um, and how well they their mindset is, but there is you could, I mean it it was like Christmas, you know um, those players on um, the post, and I mean the excitement in the crowd. I mean I was jumping up and down, I was so excited, and, and you know and I'm not a Vikings fan. I mean I'm I'm rooting for them to get there. Um, now do they have? I mean it's it when another storyline which is crazy is that we've got two Rams quarterbacks, you know last year now that are are playing the NFC championship game. And I don't think anybody would have put money on that last year. Um, what do you think happens this weekend in Philly? <clears throat> well, you know, the, the emotional surge, that is definitely uh, a concern. If, if I'm coach Zimmer, you want to make sure that your team did not empty the tank because mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it was a miracle play. And at that point, that's why we saw the level of sheer jubilation from the players, uh, the fans. You saw it on Instagram and social media, mm-hmm. how excited. You said you were jumping up and down. is because at that point, everyone figured that the game was over. And if, you, if you're if oh, Minnesota, yeah. you, you, you worry about the, the, the energy and whether you, you know, empty your tank. But the biggest thing for me, knowing as though that team had a 17-point lead and Drew Brees was able to – rally the troops, and they made some plays over a great defense. That That's the biggest thing that I'm concerned with as you walk into Philly. Your second half wasn't as good as your first half of the game, and you have to play in the playoffs at this point. You have to put a full half or well, two halves of football uh, together. And 
you talk about the two quarterbacks that are playing in this game. You know, how, how crazy is that? It, somewhere Jeff Fisher is <laughs> I know. smiling, saying, <laughs> saying, wait a minute, I, you're trying to tell me the two guys that I had, you know, as my quarterback. They couldn't do couldn't anything in their last year. Or it didn't, never, never seemed to pan out, I should say, you know. It, it, yeah, Exactly. But for, for me, this is a game. It's going to be a defensive type of game. I, I view it as being a low-scoring game because both units, defensive units, rank and maybe the top three in all the statistical categories as far as the defense is, is concerned. And to me, that's what it should be at this particular point. It's not about the offense at this stage. It's about the defense. And I feel as though Nick Foles did just enough to get Philly over the hump against the Falcons, and it will still be enough to get them over the hump against the Minnesota Vikings. This is the one thing that he did not do. He did not turn the ball over, and that is key in the playoffs. Yes. No, this is – I mean, that's key in the ability to run the ball. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, they have, you know, Latavius Murray and McKinney, and then you have Garrett Blunt, who can definitely shorten the game because he's been here before. He's had success in and the Jaya, Jaya, And Jaya Jaya. And Jaya Jaya. I mean, you know, yeah. looking at how they were, yeah, looking at how he played against Atlanta Falcons, you know, that that's why they traded for him. That's why they needed someone on the ground to be their Darren Sproles to be able to take those short catches and turn them into big positive plays on the ground. Now let's step back for a sec. So Vikings, a very emotional win, very emotional win. However, You've got that in the back of your mind that it is never over with a win like this. How does that? Yeah, it's in the back. Team? But, well, here's what you have to understand. Yes, it's in the back of your mind. Of course, the Vikings players and the fans are saying, "Listen, it's never over. We just show that we can come back and we can make a play." But you, once again, you got to look at the play that wasn't made on the defensive side. You can't go into you know, every game thinking that is going to come down to a play like that. There's always four or five plays that are game-changing plays, but that play was a luck play. If Williams makes that play, we're talking about the Saints in Philadelphia right now. So it's all about going out, handling your business, and making sure that you're not in the same position because the the – you can be on the opposite side of this play if Nick Foles has the ball and he's driving down. So anything can happen. You, you never want to really put yourself in that situation. And I was always taught when you have your foot on the gas, you press the pedal all the way to the floor. You leave no yep. doubt. So you don't want to be in games like this again. You really don't. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, a heart attack. They're, you know, they said that the Apple people that had Apple watches, that the yeah. notifications went off to a lot of Vikings fans that they thought they were having a heart attack because the. <laughs> so it's not good for anyone's health. Um, now, and we've got only a few more minutes. Um, I uh, one thing I do want to quickly ask is, moving forward for Marcus. Um, this was devastating for him, devastating for the Saints. Um, you know, uh, what do you tell a rookie player 
that had a had a phenomenal rookie season, had a phenomenal play earlier in that game, uh, or many, um, moving forward, that it doesn't destroy or define him either. Well, well no, being as though he's a rookie, he has a bright future ahead of him. He can't allow this to kind of hold him back. Of course, this is going to sting. This is something that's going to sting over the duration of his career because he's going to look back on it and say, well, here's a play I could have made to propel me into the Super Bowl. And it would sting a lot more if he himself or the Saints never get back to this position again. But he's got to move past this. Uh, and, and losing a game like that, I can tell you, it's going to take some time to get over. Even going through the summer, the draft, you're not going to get over it that easy because that play is going to be in the back of your mind because now uh-huh, you are yeah. now part of NFL history. You're part of Case Keenum, Stephon Diggs, Minnesota Vikings history. So the only thing he can do moving forward is go out and allow this to motivate him. If I were, if I were him, I would take a picture of that play and post it in my locker. So every day I come to work, I, I, I am reminded of how quickly you can go from being the hero to the GOAT in a matter of moments. And always remember this, the NFL has a way of humbling everyone. And the way that I was told when I first came in the league was if you have not been run by or run over, you haven't played long enough because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But now we have to see how this kid bounces back. But my, my, my encouraging words, hey, let it seep in. Let it burn in and just know every time you take the field, whether it's a game or practice, hey, you can never be too high, never be too low, and never rest on your lows. Never. Yeah, right on. All right, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Nick Ferguson. You can follow him on Instagram at NickFerguson underscore 25, also on on, Instagram. also on Twitter. And Twitter. we are running out of time. We've got like a few moments. So uh, Jaguars went in and beat Pittsburgh. I actually picked them to win. Um, I thought they could do it. They did have more turnovers. First time they met up with them. Now, however, going into New England, can anybody go into New England? And is this Jaguars team equipped to really annihilate or take out Brady? of this equation, and do they have a chance to win, do you think? Well, I don't want to say annihilate Brady, but here's what we have to look at. Uh, this Jaguars I mean, team, <laughs> one of the better guy groups on the defensive side uh, we've seen this season, but they lost back-to-back games. They lost to San Francisco. Uh, also, they lost to the Tennessee Titans. So if you Bill Belichick, you've watched that film. you looked at what San Francisco was able to do with limited options on the offensive side, and you're going to try to implement that same type of game plan. Expect the ball to come out of Brady's hand quick because he knows Calais Campbell and, you know, Malik Jackson will be hunting along with Fowler. So take advantage, mm-hmm. run some bunch routes, get those guys, move them around. Don't allow Jackson the Jaguars to pin their ears back and get after Brady. If they can do that, I believe in Brady over Blake Bortles and the Patriots win and go back to another Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, and I it's it, I just it's just I even though this Jacksonville Jaguars team is is it's so exciting and they're playing so well. Um and defense wins championships. I mean, we hear it, we've heard it. You know, this is something that's been imprinted into our brains. 
um, because we've seen it as well. But I don't know if you can go into New England and beat New England at home. Uh, not in January. Um, but, and not with Bill Belichick at the helm, because he always seems to be able to take away what your strength is. Um, but this game should, I mean, it could be very interesting and very close, or it could be a blowout like it was last week. I just pray that the officiating is actually on point, where I really felt the officiating was horrific last week, um, hosting, the, uh, hosting the Tennessee Titans. Well, you know, uh, we can talk, sit and talk about officiating. It's like beauty is an eye of the beholder. Uh, I've never been an official. <laughs> they, have, they, they, they have some tough jobs. And for me, anytime a call is in question, you know, I'm a firm believer uh, in going right to replay. I don't care if it slows the game up. I would rather you get every call correct. Because it's funny that you mentioned officiating because that's what it, people are starting to think already. Well, will officiating in this game favor the Patriots because so much is on the line. You talk about a story, uh, you know, legendary coach, legendary quarterback. Could the fix be in? I don't think the league would, would ever do anything like that. And for me, you know, oh, I don't I'm, either. Yeah. Fan, I'm, I'm kind of over people saying that Patriots are, 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 are cheaters or whatever. I know better than that because I played in the league long enough and there's certain things that I do know about certain teams. But I'm expecting to be for the game to be uh, probably the most watch game uh, this postseason. So uh, it's going to be a tight game. I don't think it's going to be like a blowout, but it's going to be a tight game. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, and I'm glad you addressed that because, I, you know, I people bl- blame officiating lots of times. It always somehow balances out. You know, uh, they're letting them play loose or they don't, or they, and they get a little tighter with their calls or whatever it might be. It always seems to... You know, but this game was so it was it was it was sad to see for me. It Tennessee didn't have a chance. Um, they had a chance. Everyone has a chance. But it, I mean, Tennessee uh, lost all momentum on two specific calls, um, which did not cost them the game because they had the opportunity to continue playing that game. Uh, but they were just overmatched. I think. I mean, the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and his planning and Matt Patricia and and Josh McDaniels, um, and Brady, and Gronkowski, and gosh, um, not Edelman, but, um, oh my gosh. Yeah, Brandon Cook, Kevin Hogan, uh, Dion Lewis. Uh, well, Hogan is great. Hogan is phenomenal, like, uh, you know, tight end. But no, I'm thinking of um, Amandello, or uh, uh, the other receiver. Uh, uh, <laughs> my brain, I'm sorry. And we're running out of time. Um, Amandola. Danny Amandola. Amandola. Yeah. Danny Amandola had a great game, um, but they always find a way. So, um, all right. So, your final predictions this weekend? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, you know the city of brotherly love, uh, Philly, and okay. I'm going to go with with, with, the, with the Patriots. And uh, this is a rematch of a couple of years ago when Tara Owens, Donovan McNabb were both the quarterback uh-huh. and wide receiver. So right now, I'm, I'm picking those two teams, Patriots. All right. Philly. Okay, awesome. You heard it here first. Nick Ferguson going for both the number one uh, seeds uh, to continue on and play in Minneapolis. 
Uh, Nick, thank you so much for jumping in and so last minute and, and, and all your, your wonderful insight. Um, I just truly appreciate it and your friendship. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, Nick. All right, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. And, and thank you, Cole, for helping run the boards. Both my guests, Mark Rodriguez and Nick Ferguson, uh, for you guys for tuning in. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm out.